This is Fortify, the podcast where you will learn tips and ideas to help you fortify yourself, your family, and others within your reach. I am your host, Shannon Foster. My brother played baseball at BYU quite a few years ago, and if you're a baseball fan, you probably know that the game can be really intricate. It's not just about getting up and hitting the ball as far as you can and then trying to get on base. There are many factors at play all of the time. Who's on base? Who's coming up to bat? Who's pitching? How many outs are there? What inning are we in? There's just all these details that are constantly at play and the coaches and players are constantly assessing all of these ever-changing factors to decide what a batter or a pitcher or others might try to accomplish. For example, I remember this one game where my grandparents had come to watch my brother and his team and my grandma was super supportive, but she did not know a lot about baseball. And at this particular game, my brother got up to bat and he hit the ball and he got out, but he advanced a player from, it was either first or second or second or third, or he might've even helped someone score. I don't remember for sure, but I just remember that we were celebrating while my grandma was like, well, why did he get out? Her understanding of the game was that you get up, hit the ball and try to score. What she didn't see is that my brother helped advance another player and they are a team. He was playing the long game. That is something I try to remember all of the time as I teach my family the gospel. I am playing the long game. I also try to remember that in all of my callings. That can help me come up with long game plans and not get frustrated if one or two or three lessons or a certain day or an activity just don't work out so great. And because of what I do in my business, and I hear from you all the time, and I hear so many frustrations that you experience as you try to teach the gospel, these are some of the frustrations I hear. I hear my kids won't sit still, I don't have time, or everyone's schedules conflict, I get too overwhelmed, my husband's not supportive, or my wife is not supportive, or I don't feel confident in teaching the gospel, and etc., etc. There are many reasons. And one thing I would say is that we are all playing the long game. Keep your eye on the ultimate goal. There will be obstacles. There is no doubt about that. And Satan will make sure of that. You will have ups and downs and you'll have everything from minor frustrations to real problems. But don't take your eye off of building that wall like we talked about in episode one. And just remember that we all have obstacles, but the trick is to be unwavering in your commitment, to find ways to keep going in spite of striking out or find ways to get back on track or find ways to relight the fire when you don't feel as motivated. But remember, we are playing the long game and that game will be full of ups and downs. Also, your children will watch you work through the obstacles and they will learn from you. We will talk more about this in episode five, but this is a really important principle to remember. The obstacles you face are more than likely going to be the obstacles they face. Show them how to face them head on. 
So I've talked about a number of images I have in my mind when it comes to teaching my own children the gospel. The first is the wall I imagine growing around them, like the wall in Jerusalem, and the walls Captain Moroni had the Nephite cities build. This image helps me stay focused on, one, the importance of fortifying them, and two, it helps me address how fortified they're each becoming. And remember that fortify means strengthened against any attack. So, and prophets have been making it very clear that times are coming or times are here that will require serious fortification. So this is something I have to stay really focused on. And then in the second episode, I talked about the art gallery in the minds of my children. This analogy helps me focus and evaluate how the stories and the scriptures are taking shape within each of their, their minds. And I know that those scripture stories are some of the best things to build their walls to be strong and sure. And we'll talk more in episode four and five about how to actually teach those stories. And then I want to talk about a third image. And I have not talked about this image yet, but I think about this every single day, especially when I'm feeling a lack of motivation. And that is an image of a small and fragile plant. And actually in the show notes, I actually have the exact image that is in my mind. So if this resonates with you, you can have this same image as well. It's a small and fragile plant that has just emerged from the soil and light is just streaming down upon it. And that is what I want for my children. I want light streaming upon them. And we'll talk more about how to do that in the next episode. But for the sake of this episode, just imagine this plant that has everything within it to become a large, strong, and unwavering tree. But that will take time and nutrients and sunlight to become that tree. It will also need to grow despite various animals and weather and insects and all sorts of other things that will threaten its growth. So I think about this plant and I think about my children and I want my children to grow so strong that no matter what storms come, they can stand unshaken. I want them to be like Enos, who said, my faith began to be unshaken in the Lord. That's Enos 111. I really, really want them to be able to say that for themselves. So as I visualize this plant, it helps me understand what my role is. My job is to nurture them. I love that word. The word nurture means that which promotes growth. And if I want to be a nurturer in my home or in my calling or in my other circles of influence, that word helps me understand what I can do because I cannot give my children a testimony, but I can try to nurture them and create the environment and experiences where that can grow. If you've ever tried to grow a garden, you know how important the right nutrients are at the right time. You cannot just put a plant in the ground and watch it thrive. It takes watchful care. Trust me, I know. I planted a garden this past spring, but spent the summer working on our Old Testament books. And my garden became so overgrown and underwatered and undernourished. I ended up having a few tomatoes and some peas, but there were a lot of things I just ended up throwing out. I let it grow without nurturing it. And that was the result. 
But right off of my kitchen, I have a deck with some window boxes. And in those boxes, I planted some kale and some other herbs. And every morning I would go out there and pick some of the kale for a smoothie. And I was able to constantly see how that kale was doing. I could see if it was wilting and needed more water. I could see if it needed to be pruned back a little. I kept some fertilizer on the deck so I could remember to add that every once in a while. So that kale absolutely thrived and I used it all summer long because I was watching it and responding to what it needed. The rest of my garden did not have that same care and it showed. So gardens, I think, have this wonderful way of teaching us just as our garden must be nurtured, so must our children's testimonies. Remember what Sister Jones said in conference. She said, we cannot wait for conversion to simply happen to our children. Accidental conversion is not a principle of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Becoming like our Savior will not happen randomly. She said that in April 2021. I look at my garden and I'm like, that is exactly what I learned. My garden will not thrive if I don't take care of it. And so this principle of nurturing my children's testimonies helps me understand that I have to be patient and deliberate and consistent and watchful and pay attention to their individual needs. And I had this experience once when I was teaching seminary that absolutely opened my eyes. And it was at the very beginning of my career. It was the beginning of the year. And I like to give a little test about the plan of salvation. And I'd like to do this so I could evaluate what the kids knew and what I needed to focus on in class. And then parent teacher conference was right after that. And as parents came in, I would have that stack of tests sitting there and I would go through and give each student's test to their parents so they could see how their children did. And I remember there was this specific girl's parents who came in and this girl was darling. She was the sweetest girl in class, but she did not do well on the test. She had gotten a lot incorrect or left a lot of things blank. And I remember giving this test to her parents and I'll never forget this look of shock on their face. They just could not believe it. And they were trying to figure it out together. Like, how does she not know these answers? They were talking amongst themselves and saying, we have regular scripture study. We, she's always there. How does she not know these things? And I remember the dad looking at me and saying, my wife is a gospel scholar and we teach our children the gospel. And then suddenly the husband just had this flash of understanding. And he's like, I know what happened. And he explained that this student was their youngest child and she had always been at family scripture study, but they'd always directed the teaching to their older children. And she must have never put all the pieces together and caught on at her own level. And she just had never said anything. She just was good. And they didn't know that she didn't understand that just sunk in. It was this huge moment where I was like, we cannot just assume that these students, because I would have 30 students at a time, are all understanding. And that was what was really hard is because I'd have 30 students and then another 30 students and then another 30 students. And you're constantly trying to assess what they're understanding, what they're taking in. 
So it was a priceless lesson really early on in my career. And I still think about it all the time with my own children and in my own callings, because it is so easy to teach directly to the students who are participating and raising their hands and not know what is going on in the minds and hearts of the quiet students. And then if we don't know, we can't help nurture their individual testimonies, but we have to figure out a way to know. And we'll talk more about that in the next episode. But one of the best ways I've learned to individually nurture is to focus on warming the heart of each child. So if you think of that soil and the importance of the soil needing to be warm so that the plant can reach out its roots and grow, this can be the difference between being focused on a lesson versus being focused on a child's heart. So fortification will not happen when our children are just filled with facts and figures, but rather when their hearts are touched and they feel something. For example, you can read the words to a song and think those are beautiful words, but then you hear the song sung and then you can just feel it differently. We want to create those moments for our children where they feel things and not just read them. For example, I'll give you one example that happened recently with my daughter. So I have a nine-year-old daughter. I was teaching her about Joseph Smith and all that the saints went through during that far West time period. This was the time that Joseph went to Liberty jail. And I was thinking, okay, how can I help get this into my daughter's heart? Cause I don't want her just to know facts and figures. Like I don't want her to know that they were in far West and then they got persecuted and then they moved on. I wanted her to kind of feel and understand and then understand how much faith it took in the middle of all that. And so I thought, okay, how can I warm her heart? And I decided to show her this certain church video and it shows the persecution and how the saints were terrorized. And it showed Joseph and other church leaders at Richmond jail on their way to Liberty. And they were lying on the floor in chains and they had to sit there and listen to these guards who were just speaking in blasphemous and foul ways. And suddenly Joseph gets up and my, my daughter's watching this on the video. And he says, silence, ye fiends of the infernal pit in the name of Jesus Christ, I rebuke you and command you to be still. I will not live another minute and hear such language, cease such talk or you or I die this instant. So Parley P. Pratt was there with Joseph, and he wrote about this instance. And this is what he said. He said, Joseph ceased to speak, and he stood there erect in terrible majesty, chained and without a weapon, calm, unruffled, and dignified as an angel. He looked upon the quailing guards whose knees smote together, and who, shrinking into a corner or crouching at his feet, begged his pardon and remained quiet till a change of guards. I have witnessed a Congress and solemn session to give laws to nations, but dignity and majesty have I seen but once as it stood in chains at midnight in a dungeon in obscure village of Missouri. So this video showed this moment and I just remember my daughter, like she was 
totally engaged in this video. And she just looked at me and she just goes, whoa. <laughs> she actually said, whoa. And then she wanted to learn more about that moment. And her heart had been touched and she'd become like a sponge wanting to know more. So that's just one example. And there are so many ways to help children's hearts be touched so that their roots can really grow. And as their roots grow, they grow. I also have a four-year-old and I can't use the same teaching methods with him. He's younger and he is different and I can help him learn a lot of things, but it's not the same as my daughter yet. And, and even when he is nine, it will be different because he's different. And one thing I'm learning with him is that my main job is for him to warm his heart and help him learn to love church, love family prayer, love just three to four minutes, just small moments when I can try to teach him something because he's a four-year-old that is full of energy. And if he gets in trouble every time we have family scripture study because he won't sit still, he's going to hate family scripture study. So with him, my focus is on thinking of ways to help him be successful at his stage right now, asking him to sit there reverently without something to engage him, especially if he's tired, I'm learning is setting him up for a bad experience. So if he gets in trouble for being irreverent during family prayer, then how's he going to feel about family prayer? So I need to be like a coach who's like, okay, that didn't work. Time out. Let's come up with a new play because I need to help him learn all these things and I need to help him love all of these things. Okay, so now we've discussed some important principles that can help us be motivated. They can help us keep on track as we visualize these walls and knowing how important it is to build those walls and to remember to stay in the long game and to build their galleries and to remember that they are a young plant that can grow into a great unwavering tree. Those images really keep me focused. And then now in the next couple episodes, we will talk about how we can do these things. And there is some really good stuff coming. Okay, see you then.